get right to the topic. So uh, 2.4 gigahertz. You know, I'm going to start off um, the session with a couple of thoughts. This is the first one, right? Things don't just die uh, because we'd like them to. If they did, my thoughts alone would reshape the world <laughs> drastically <laughs> if I had that kind of ability. 2.4 gets a bad rap for a lot of reasons, right? We know that there's just a ton of stuff in the ISM band, which is where Wi-Fi plays, the 2.4 gig ISM band. You know, hopefully um, many of us know that we've got, you know, channels that are limited to 20 meg. There's no, there's only three non-overlaps, right? All of these things are kind of counted as, um, you know, part of what makes 2.4 gig less impressive than five and now six gig. Um, but but again, that doesn't mean it's it's done. My second thought, you know, not all use cases are identical. There's a lot of reasons to not wash it or wish it away. Um, you know, just because it may not be as versatile, I don't even want to say as good because that's kind of a bad descriptor. It may not be as versatile or as flexible as the other spectrum that Wi spectrums now that Wi-Fi uses. Uh, but that really is not uh, enough reason to, to, you know, put it in a box and put it away and give it away. And, and we'll talk about all of that a little bit. So if you were to uh, do what I just did, and this was, um, you know, the other day within the last few days, you know, 2.4 gig is dead, kind of a goofy thing to search on, but look at the number of results. And the first one that came up, the leading um, reply, this dates back to 2018. I don't really know what Geekabit is. I see it's in the US, but the the leading sentence there, or I see it's in the UK, excuse me. Um, the leading sentence there, uh, to answer the question of this article, we can say it's not dead, but it will be soon. Um, it's kind of crazy. If you do that search, and I would say, take a look at, you know, actually open up the first 10 or 15. You don't have to read them, but look who wrote some of this, um, some of this stuff. I will perhaps unkindly say that um, it's a lot of overzealous uh, wireless uh, professional type people, and you're going to probably recognize some names, people that have sounded the death knell. And I'm not throwing dirt on anybody. I'm just really stating fact here. Um, the dirt I will throw, you've got a lot of journalists who really, you know, really don't get technology that are writing about it, that sometimes pick up on the vibes that the wireless professionals are throwing out there and they run with it. And, you know, these are the same kind of people, the journalist types that don't know the difference between data rate and throughput. And, you know, they believe every tall tale what comes out of Silicon Valley marketing and they, they buy into stuff and they write articles and they get paid because that's their jobs. But, Six and a half million results about 2.4 gig being dead. Um, you know, tells me that it, it it's something that gets brought up perhaps too often. So, you know, there's a couple of aspects to 2.4 gig. Um, you know, there, there's this tension, right? You've got you've got the wireless. Uh, Types like us, me, um, Jim, uh, certainly, you know, probably most of the audience, 
we want the wireless world to be better. We don't want things to be in five or to be in 2.4 because we know five gig is so much better. It, it's a desire, it's a want, it's something that we try to make systems, uh, you know, influence the client devices and get everything you can into five. And, and that's all uh, worthwhile endeavors and that's all part of our jobs. But at the same time, we are dealing very much so with device manufacturers who may not be so hell-bent on, you know, seeing 2.4 not be used, and it leaves users in the middle. You know, we're telling, we're telling our customers everything should be in five, and sometimes they got devices that can't be in five, and we'll, we'll talk about some of that. But sometimes it just gets uh, a little heated, and again, we, we need to be a little more aware that, uh, this band is not dead and you know maybe um you know maybe the device has to be there for a reason that we have to understand and accommodate that that's just reality again this will this will build up a little more and we'll get into the specifics here um when it comes to 2.4 there's also history you know it is basically the oldest spectrum if you Go back to the original 802.11 and, you know, forget about 900 meg and forget about infrared and things that used to be uh, part of what we, um, at least on paper, needed to worry about. 2.4 gig is uh, old spectrum, right? It's retro. Um, you know, it, it's the oldest stuff we've got. The standards that make use of it, you know, 11 original, the B and the G, N, it's optional. Maybe yes, maybe no, very likely yes, um, but it all depends on what you buy. Um, so even though I say maybe, it's really a yes. Uh, we skip 11 AC because when you buy an 11 AC dual band AP, you're really getting 11 N on the 2.4 side because uh, AC does not have 2.4. Uh, just a reminder on that. But then our very latest standard, 802.11 AX, AKA Wi-Fi 6, um, both bands are there. Well, okay. Why are both bands there? It's supposed to be dead. Well, let's explore that. So, as I mentioned before, the argument, the uh, uh, the the wave of, you know, calling it dead and beating that drum, right? A lot of times it's kind of a little bit of, you know, cult of personality. Some Somebody of name and title and industry renown declares it dead and other people get on the bandwagon and they retweet it and everybody works themselves into a froth. It doesn't change reality. Um, to me, there's other more important drums to beat. Like, boy, I'd love to see better interoperability testing out of the, the Wi-Fi Alliance. I, I would like to see uh, you know, under the heading of true standards, I'd love to see vendor X able to manage vendor Y APs. I'd love to see a, a consumer certification out of the Wi-Fi Alliance and an enterprise certification. And there's all kinds of, you know, all kinds of drums I would like to beat that would actually improve things. And for some reason, uh, the 2.4 being dead is, is one of the loudest things we hear. And it's really, you know, too often. Um, basically, 
when you get new spectrum, when you get new devices, right? And you get new narratives that come from Silicon Valley. It doesn't mean the old stuff just goes away. We're not flipping switches with the, you know, anything that's new doesn't kill off the old. It just doesn't work that way. And at the bottom of this slide, you know, I'm building up the tension for the thing that, you know, I'm saying perhaps most importantly, wait for it. It's valuable spectrum. <laughs> you know, I, I chuckle a little bit just out of sometimes disbelief that people actually want it to go away. Um, in my opinion, we absolutely would be idiots to let it go. I won't read you that quote there, but the whole notion of getting spectrum that you can use, if you ever follow these processes, it, it's hard to come by. And all you have to do is look at the ham radio world and radio hobby world to know that, you know, there's something that happens to spectrum that gets abandoned and, and we'll work up to that. But um, boy, it, it's just something that we might want to slow down and not shoot ourselves in the foot about. My question, do you know what happens to abandoned spectrum? You know, if we could wave the magic wand, move all the devices to five gig and six gig now that that's available to us. What becomes of 2.4? You know, if we kill it off, what becomes of it? Well, the answer that goes in that blank is it's going to get repurposed. The FCC is going to take it away and say, you guys aren't using it anymore. They're going to give it to other people to use. So we get, you know, excited when we gain spectrum. Are we really willing to lose? Are we really you know, willing to let some go? It's dead, right? We don't need it anymore. So the whole topic to me, um, I think it gets, you know, I'll, I'll be unkind. I, I think it gets a little bit stupid uh, at times. You know, often the stuff that's great about five gig is kind of BS. Ah, you can use wide channels. How many of us actually use wide channels? Certainly there is more channels. There are times when we need the better propagation that you get from 2.4 over five. I mean, it's just, it's not a, too often the discussion is not approached with critical thought and it's not approached with reason. It's just this gung-ho, by golly, everything should be in five and, and that's all there is to it. Um, we know that there's a decent balance of performance versus range and penetration. Um, we know that not all devices need the whopping speeds that you find outside of 2.4. It's a pretty uh, heterogeneous client space out there these days, and not everything needs the best when it comes to performance, the best when it comes to radio conditions. And it, it's just really silly to to live in that place to me. But it's not just my opinion that um, kind of backs that up. If we look at what's going on in the real world, uh, this is one view of a large uh, wireless network. It's mostly BYD. Actually, it's a mix of BYD and um, uh, some managed devices, but the majority is BYOD, uh, large university. And this is thousands and thousands of devices. Doesn't matter if it's 2,000, doesn't matter if it's 35,000, which sometimes you see reflected. You don't see quantities, but I'm telling you that's the range from a quiet day to a busy day. The percentages are mostly the same. And you can see that 
Now I can't really, I can't uh, mouse around and show you the purple and the blue. You can see where it says 11802.11n and 11g. Um, basically, a third of this graph are 2.4 gig devices. I mean, this is this is reality. This is the real world. And some of you are probably thinking, okay, well, maybe you didn't optimize it right. And maybe you didn't do a bunch of stuff to drive people over to five. So, you know, the problem is you, you didn't do things right. Well, let's move out of one of my environments and let's look at a bigger sampling. This is taken again a couple days ago. If you look at that link, uh, voyancelive.niansa.com, uh, they make this available uh, publicly. It's an aggregation of all kinds of uh, information they get from their, um, you know, different customers that use Niansa. So here we see that, you know, we got millions of devices in play, almost 4 million devices, and 70% of them are 5 gig capable. 30% of millions of devices reflected in these um sampling and this is this is across all kinds of industries and you know niansa plays in all kinds of spaces you've got a full 30 percent of the wireless clients in use out in a whole slew of networks that can't do 5 gig i mean this is telling this is telling the story that 2.4 gig simply is not dead and if you believe it is i challenge you to turn off your 2.4 and I don't think most of us could get away with this. <laughs> you know, maybe we'd have to add APs, maybe we'd have to do all kinds of stuff once we do it. I'm sure some of you could, um, depending on your client mix, but you know, by and large, I'm gonna say most of us probably can't. It's kind of a rhetorical declaration, you know, we'll never really know, but um, you know, when I look at these numbers, it, it kind of tells me a lot. The other part about it is, you know, at this volume, if the fact that 2.4 gig is being used was an actual problem, I think we'd be hearing more about it. You know, a lot of devices use it just because it works and it's not a problem for the devices that are using it in a lot of networks that are well managed. So, um, you know, I look at these metrics and it's not dead because it's very much alive, as silly as that sounds. So, you know, we kind of fast forward to what's happening uh, today. You know, I told you that you know, 2.4 gig is kind of the, you know, where it all started on the older standards. And, you know, now we're up to Wi-Fi 6 and Wi-Fi 6E with the, you know, 6 gig spectrum and, you know, 6E is going to change everything. It's going to totally make this a moot point. And the answer to that is no, it, it really won't for the same old reasons. Um, new Spectrum is absolutely wonderful. The vast majority of our laptops and our um, smartphones and you know our, our compute devices that you know any of us are likely to use, eventually will find their way into the six gig spectrum but a whole bunch of stuff won't. And if you kind of go back in your mind to um, that Niansa slide and those millions of client devices, they're not all smartphones, they're not all laptops. Even with the advent of six gig, 
some devices are still just going to roll along in 2.4 because that's all they need and it's cheap to make those chipsets and the reference designs are a bazillion years old and proven and a lot of you know devices just don't need to just aren't going to really get much out of a, a redesign um you know to get them up to five gig there's no gain to it for what little uh, data they do i'm talking about like uh, things like wireless locks in my world, they occasionally transmit just a little bit of data. You know, they're on 2.4 gig now, 11M 2.4 gig. To re-outfit them might make me feel better as a purist that doesn't want anything in 2.4 gig, but the device itself really doesn't benefit that much. So, you know, I'm saying, you know, the new world, but the old world still is with us, at least for the foreseeable future. And then just a reminder, you know, these are all the things that we do to herd clients over to five gig. We kind of sometimes trip over ourselves trying to get, um, you know, all the clients we can to five gig. And again, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Um, not totally. Some of these are. Some of these I don't care for. But this is kind of the the toolbox we've got when the question is, well, how do we make people use five gig? Um, you know, band steering was kind of a interesting um, approach. Unfortunately, it's proprietary. All the vendors do it slightly different, and a lot of times it's problematic. People try to use it, they end up turning it off because it causes problems. It's not, again, it's not standards-based, which means people can do different things to make it happen. And it's not always a good fit for all of the clients in a given environment and you end up turning it off. At least that's been my personal experience multiple times. Um, sometimes we turn off, you know, some of the 2.4 gig radios, depending on you know, what the situation is. I know in LPVs that I manage, the large public venues, I have places where there is no 2.4 uh, enabled, um, you know, RRM and, you know, flex radios and the latest generation of hardware and you let the environment decide whether a radio is 2.4 or 5 gig. Um, sometimes we do the separate ID thing and you call it, you know, whatever, my network fast, my network slow. I don't care for that to the same degree that I don't care for band steering. I know some people are a big proponent of it. I just think it junks up your SSID list. And again, for most devices, I, I don't really um, see the benefit for what most people are doing. And again, I can only give you my frame of reference and my opinions. If you're um, somebody who uses it and loves it, more power to you. You know, this is a field where there is room for opinion and different approaches. So I don't uh, begrudge anybody for doing it their way if it works for them. Um, you know, and then you can do, you know, combinations, permutations of SSIDs versus what radio. And, you know, maybe you've got a dual band AP, but you only let an SSID come out of a given radio and not, not both or whatever, you know. Um, hopefully you guys get it. There's different things we can do to push people to five gig. Despite all of the things that we do and we try. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. 
Uh, Scott posted this, posted this this morning, and when I saw it, I realized it was just perfect for this presentation. Um, I don't even know what it is that he's trying to add, um, but he says it's some IoT device. And I have seen this myself. I'm thinking of uh, TP-Link power strip. I'm thinking of um, a light panel. I can't remember the brand, the fancy. Um, you can program the these triangle-shaped light panels to you know do different colors and give you mood lighting and ambiance and all of this stuff. And I've seen them where they have dual band radios that they won't use. They have to have 2.4 for some reason. It, it's crazy. But this is the world that we live in. 2.4, the device manufacturers, for many, many reasons, some that might make sense and some that are purely uh, obvious, they don't know what the hell they're doing. Um, some of them are just so grounded in 2.4, it is not going away. So come back to the AX, um, you know, come back to the AX discussion, right? As I said before, fat channels aren't the only thing that uh, we strive for, um, or, you know, some people, some people get hung up on it. It's not the only payoff, right? Better radios, better memory, better CPU, better everything on a new AP. But then also um, we've got the notion of the resource units, right? This is 11AX, it's dual band. If the whole RU thing um, plays out right, and if the standard, the way it's written actually lives up to its billing, there's a lot, to, a lot that remains to be seen on this. Um, Maybe 2.4 gets more efficient. Maybe even 20 meg, a device doesn't need it, and all it needs is four or whatever, four, eight, two, six. So maybe those channels get used more efficiently, and, and 2.4, um, as messy as it is, gets run a little more. Um, I hate to keep on using the word efficiently, but that's what comes to mind. It, it, it may very well get more efficient, but we'll have to, to see how that um, plays out regardless right you know third bullet down 2.4 isn't dead it's not on vacation it's not hiding you know it's not in the closet ashamed of itself it, it's very much with us and you can deny it and you can try to wish it away like johnny in the cornfield on the twilight zone and it just doesn't go away it's with us it's alive you know, everything in life changes. Nothing um, stays the same over time. Things evolve. 2.4 gig is evolving. And I say to you, that's it. There's nothing more to it. It has not died. It's just changing. And here we have uh, Mark 2.4 Twain. And, uh, you know, he kind of said, Mark Twain actually gave us the, the quote, you know, the report of my death was an exaggeration and if you research it you'll find that there's actually a few different variants on what he really said but the essence was there it's kind of funny he's a famous writer uh, in american history he was actually traveling europe trying to make some money because i guess he got into a whole bunch of bad business deals and you know he was in the poorhouse and he owed a lot of money and while he was doing that european tour Somebody reported that he was sick, and then somebody reported that he was dead, and he read about it while he was overseas, <laughs> and, and that's where the quote came out. And 
Yeah, just a fascinating guy and a little bit of humor that gave us a uh, saying that fits when we talk about 2.4 gig. And with that, we'll have a discussion, maybe a nap, and then we'll all go jump in the pool. <laughs> well, thanks, Lee. Uh, that was awesome. I, I do have a few comments. I thought, you know, uh, and you touched on this, but a lot of the pain in 2.4 gigahertz for Wi-Fi, at least in the enterprise, from what I've seen, a lot of it's kind of self-inflicted. We do designs that are appropriate for five gigahertz. And then often I'll see networks where every single 2.4 gigahertz radio is enabled in what's essentially a high density design. So there's a massive amount of CCI and 2.4 gigahertz and um, you know the bands just being eaten alive by beacon frames. It really just doesn't have to be that way. If you go through, disable a lot of those radios, tune your data rates, you can get much better performance out of the band. It's not as good as five gigahertz and it's you know, not great in high density, but you can make it work. Um, so um, oh, yeah. and I think your experience shows some of that too. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And um, you know, there's, um, you know, there's the the when you do the um, after survey validation or the after install validation too. Like I've seen using flex radios, you know, if you let the system decide, well, if you install a whole bunch of APs and then, you know, you're using RRM and then you immediately see what's going on, it might take a day, two days, at least in my findings for RRM to, you know, actually settle things out and start disabling 2.4 gig radios and, and such. So if you've got a good RRM algorithm, maybe it can take care of some of the problems that you're talking about if you give it time to do its job, or you can put them all in, see that 2.4 gig is chaos, and then immediately start maybe disabling the wrong radio, or maybe just out of desperation start you know, taking it the opposite direction instead of too much. Now there's too little and um, whatever the, the particulars of the situation, though, you, you absolutely nailed it. You designed for five gig and 2.4 just comes along for the ride. Well, it shouldn't be like that. You should be designing for both if both are going to be there, even if you have to wait a couple of days to see if RRM got anything close to what you had in mind for 2.4. But yeah, it, it's absolutely easy to shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah, I also wanna invite uh, anybody in the audience to submit a question for us uh, so we can bounce that off Lee. The other comment I had, you know, as far as I can see, 2.4 gigahertz will always be a part of Wi-Fi. It's, you know, at least now, driven by the IoT use case. And that's something that the IEEE um, you know, talks about a lot. Um, they talked about it a lot with 802.11ax about um, bringing IoT specific features into Wi-Fi to be able to address that use case a little bit more. And if you think about IoT devices that might have a packet or two to send every hour, maybe every day. What's the point of 
using a more expensive, higher performance five gigahertz or six gigahertz radio, when 2.4 gigahertz will do just fine for that. So I actually, you know, I think the use of uh, of 2.4 gigahertz will only go up, uh, being driven by IoT and and Wi-Fi as a uh, platform for that. Yeah, that's also an, an excellent point. I mean, to me, some stuff under the heading of IoT shouldn't be in Wi-Fi, period. It ought to be off using, you know, LoRaWAN or different technologies. But, you know, that's one more thing that I can whine about and complain about and nothing happens and still more and more of it shows up in Wi-Fi. So we are um, yeah. stuck with it. Another, you know, you had mentioned the IEEE. As long as this whole backwards compatibility at all costs thing prevails too, you know, we're never going to be done with 2.4. That alone is enough reason for a lot of device makers to just keep on trucking and never evolve and never modernize their stuff, even in cases where maybe it should. But when backwards compatibility is, you know, seems to be a really high priority that I, I don't understand. It seems like sooner or later you can, you know, decouple some of the stuff from the past and to make for a better future. But it, it's just not the case. Again, it falls under the heading of things I wish were different. But just because I say that they should be, it doesn't make it so kind of thing. You know, some of it just ends up being whining. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. It does. It does just from a technology perspective look like there are better uh, wireless protocols than Wi-Fi for a lot of IoT use cases. But, you know, for a IoT device manufacturer, um, it's very tempting just to say, hey, Wi-Fi is out there. All my customers will have Wi-Fi. So I'm going to go with Wi-Fi instead of trying to convince them to deploy a whole new wireless infrastructure so yeah yeah and the challenge there is um absolutely agree you know wi-fi is a siren song how many vendors will approach non-it parts of your organization say oh you got wi-fi or stuff works on wi-fi forget the fact that it can't do anything but maybe 11b data rates and forget the fact that it can't do enterprise security you know, the 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 fact that, you know, you have Wi-Fi, boom, sold, I'll take it. We'll just run it on our Wi-Fi. And then you find out all the baggage that it hands your Wi-Fi uh, team, where now you've got to all of a sudden, you know, maybe do things you don't want to do and maybe even violate your own policy to accommodate some of these things. But that that is just our reality. It's kind of a really messy world right now. And the fact that 2.4... Uh, for better or worse, is going to keep on keeping on. I mean, it's it's just part of that messiness. So, good follow-up question here from Stephen. He says, "Are you aware of any moves by vendors to develop a framework for enterprise-class IoT devices, rather than basing their products on consumer-grade chipset chipsets, i.e., the cheapest?" Uh, I don't know of a. I don't know of any kind of uh, movement afoot. I do know that um, I can think of a few different uh, recent IoT type things that I've had to use and support or dismiss as unsupportable or whatever. But 
Um, we've got locks from a company called Asa Abloy, and they do 802.1x and they do 802.11n. And even though they're an IoT device, a lock and a door, they're a really good uh, enterprise device. We've got uh, time clocks. I won't name the vendor, but they took a $10 StarTech crappy USB adapter that I'm sure they're charging hundreds and hundreds of dollars for as a wireless option. And these clocks, they took this USB adapter, buried it in the innards of a clock, you know, behind LCD screens and sandwiched between circuit boards with lots of metal brackets around it and lots of heat. And these things are absolute garbage. And oh, by the way, they don't do much in the way of anything enterprise. And oh, would you mind giving each one of them their own AP and SSID? And you've got hundreds of them in your enterprise. I mean, just clueless. Um, we've got a product we're evaluating now that's, um, yeah, I don't want to give too much away, but this is a, an appliance that's a, uh, appliances with uh, embedded um, Raspberry Pi. They are three B plus Raspberry Pi models. So far, they seem to be excellent um, wireless devices on 802.1X and on the enterprise Wi-Fi. All the things you'd want from them. They roam, they reply, like if an AP goes down or changes its channel, they seamlessly roam, even though they're not physically roaming. They jump to another AP when they need to. They authenticate, they do everything right. Um, so, I, I, and then there's a temperature probe that again is just terrible and it's just never going to work, never going to fit and all kinds of goofy requirements. So, uh, you know, it's a long answer to your question, but I'm not seeing it totally bad. I am seeing some vendors that somehow they got the message or they have good developers that are in, that are, that are in touch with the world. But boy, this is an area where I would love to see the Wi-Fi Alliance get involved and just reform, you know, reform the, the client device industry as my rant and soapbox. Yeah, and I liked, you know, an earlier comment you had about how valuable it'd be to have consumer versus enterprise certification um, and much more thorough testing from the Wi-Fi Alliance. Um, I think maybe there's a there's room for a third um, class for IoT devices. Because when I kind of think about this question, um, you know, when I think enterprise class, to me that's 802.11ax, that's dual band, certainly 802.1ax, good mobility. But a lot of IoT stuff doesn't need that. Think about the door lock you mentioned. It's fine at 802.11n with 2.4 gigahertz only and no roaming algorithm at all because it's a door. So, um, you know, the requirements are different. So it's hard to say what an enterprise class IoT device really is, but, um, you know, one of the parts of the question is, are vendors using the cheapest consumer grade chipsets they can find? And often the, that's, that is the case because they're selling these devices in very high volume and what they want to keep the cost as low as possible. So I've, you know, it's, it's much more common today still to see um, just, you know, anecdotally, I think, but it's more common to see 802.11G 
devices that are IoT devices that are brand new on the market than 802.11ax IoT devices, just because yeah, it's driven totally by agree. cost and that ancient Phi meets their performance requirements. Yep, fully agree. Uh, comment here from Tim. He says, uh, I, I agree with Lee, don't give it up. How many people remember the fight to get five gigahertz in the first place? And I think that was a big effort for a lot of uh, people in the Wi-Fi industry to, to get access to, um, to that uh, spectrum there in the five gigahertz band. We've just seen it in the six gigahertz band too. That was not easy at all. Um, and uh, Lee, maybe one last question here from Gary. Um, uh, kind of a tough one. I don't know if there's a good answer here, but Gary asks, what's the best way to limit Bluetooth interference? And I know you uh, with, um, you know, college students and their smartphones and all the kit they bring to school and to the dorms. I mean, they're all going to have Bluetooth running. And uh, it's a pipe dream to, be, to say, oh, you know, that stuff's prohibited on campus. So any ideas there? No, I mean, if you go back to physics, the only way you're going to prevent interference is with fielding or distance. And, you know, you just have to be, a lot of times, be mindful that it's there and, um, you know, don't factor it out when you're troubleshooting. Um, I do know that some... I'm thinking Zigbee. If you if you stretch the question and include Zigbee, you know, certain Zigbee systems, you can say don't use these particular frequencies. So you can kind of do a channel plan uh, to make sure that the Zigbee doesn't step on uh, Wi-Fi. But that's really not Bluetooth as asked. Um, you know, if you can get away with if you know your Wi-Fi clients really, really well, and you know that maybe you really don't need 2.4, you can skew away from using it. Where you need a whole bunch of important um, uh, Bluetooth devices, but you know you you hit it on the head with your first sentence. You know there, there's not going to be a good answer, but it comes down to physics and frequency coordination and. You know, you do what you can do and you live with what you can't control. And, you know, that that again is just our reality. But it does help to be able to um, know what's in the area, characterize it, and know what it is that you're trying to juggle when you have to get into the Frequency Juggling Act. Otherwise, you're just, you know, going blind and, you know, not seeing things that are important to your troubleshooting. Yeah, it's really just a fact of life in the 2.4 gigahertz band anywhere you're, you've got the public, uh, um, you know, there, um, there's going to be particularly BLE interference. And so you just have to live with it and, and make sure your performance requirements for your Wi-Fi devices are still being met uh, despite of it.